Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. I want to call your attention to the book of Acts. Already, uh, one of the gentlemen read from Acts chapter 6. It's a chapter that doesn't actually use the term deacon, but it is the chapter from which we believe deacons uh, originated. And the whole book of Acts is uh, is a, a very amazing and exciting book. It's a book about the birth and the growth of the church. That's really what it is, and the Holy Spirit's working through the church. I want to read uh, one portion. Uh, from the book of Acts. You will recall that the book of Acts was written by a physician whose name was Luke. He also penned the Gospel of Luke. And in uh, Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 32, we find one of many summary statements. Luke, being a good doctor, is examining the church as if the church were his patient. And as he examines his patient, he will stop on occasion and give a summary statement for his files. Verse 32 of chapter 4. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time, Those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as each had need. If you were to uh, commence a study of the book of Acts, you could approach this book in a number of ways. If you go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you can... Uh, you'll find a verse that was one of the last things Jesus said, and the book of Acts actually falls into an outline according to the three things Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said in that verse, he says, You will be endued with power from on high, and then you shall be witnesses to me, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the utmost parts of the world. The book of Acts can actually be geographically divided or outlined according to the spread of the gospel in Jerusalem, the spread of the gospel then to Judea, the spread of the gospel then to Samaria, and then the final half of the book is the spread of the gospel to the utmost part of what was then known as the world. There are other ways that you can divide this book, though, and one that uh, I rarely hear about but I think is equally important is to consider two things about the book of Acts. And I want you to think about these two words. Community, say that. And conflict. Community and conflict. The entire book of Acts is about the community that we call the church. Both the local churches, but even even, uh, more specifically, the universal church. Everybody who has received Christ as their Savior is a part of the worldwide universal church of Jesus Christ. And each local church is simply a local manifestation of that universal church. But in the early times, uh, they often didn't use some of the same terminology that we would. They would use uh, words like uh, the congregations or assemblies. Later on, they would call it church. Early on, they called it Christians. But 
by and large, as you read the book of Acts, what you see here is a community, a Christian community. But as you continue reading through the book of Acts, not only do you see that it's about the community growing, but it's about the community growing in the face of conflict. In fact, the book of Acts, 28 chapters, is one conflict after another, and the community of Christ is having to deal with each of these conflicts, sometimes more than one at a time. Fortunately, it started off with one at a time, and they were having to deal with them. Community resolving conflict. The very first conflict they had is in Acts chapter 1, and it revolved around this question, what are we going to do now that Jesus is not here? He'd been with them for three, over three years, every single day. If they ever had a question, all they had to do was wake up Jesus and say, Lord, got this question, give me the answer, and I'll know that it comes straight from God. But now, in the middle of Acts chapter 1, he's ascended back to the Father. And although the Holy Spirit comes down in Acts chapter 2, there is a little space of time that they're in kind of a limbo, it seems. And they're dealing with this conflict. Okay, Jesus is gone. What do we do now? And so what they do, they gathered in an upper room. There were about 120 of them. And they sat there and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed until they got an answer from the God to whom they prayed. The answer came in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says they were all together in one place and the Holy Spirit came down and rested upon them and they began to preach. But that led to conflict number two. It was a holiday, it was Pentecost, and there were Jews from all over the known world who had come to Jerusalem, perhaps somewhere between 300 and 500,000 Jewish people. What was the problem with that? They didn't speak the same language. This uh, several hundred thousand group of people spoke multiple languages, and so here you have this little group of fishermen turned evangelists, and here's the question that surrounds conflict number two. How do we communicate the gospel to a group of people, the majority of whom we don't speak their language? And so what happened? Peter said, well, all I know to do is just get up and preach in the, in the one language that I do know. And he got up and preached and God handled the rest. You remember it. Peter began to preach. Some of the other apostles began to preach. And God took their words and somehow between their vocal cords and the eardrums of the people who heard, God performed a miracle of communication so that while Peter preached in his own language, those people who came heard him in their native language. Not just their native language, but if you look at the Greek words in Acts chapter 2, they heard it in not only their native language, but they're also, they also heard it in their native dialect. So you have conflict number one, what do we do now that Jesus is gone? Conflict number two, how do we communicate to people who do not speak our language, nor do we speak theirs? And then conflict number three was verbal persecution. Verbal persecution, how do we spread the gospel when we are under a verbal assault? Peter comes up, he and John, and they're witnessing to a man who was uh, blind, and they heal him. And as a, as a result, they got in trouble. People started talking about them. It was conflict number three. People backbiting. Oh, my goodness. They were able to resolve that conflict then, but it has reared its ugly head many, many times over since then in churches near and far, large and small. Then you get to Acts chapter 5 and 6 and 7, and the conflict is persecution. It's gone beyond verbal gossip and verbal backbiting and it's violent persecution 
and then there's prison, and then there are leaders who, uh, uh, kings and, and prime ministers who are opposed to these uh, Christians in this Christian community. It's one conflict after another. And of course, in Acts chapter 6, the conflict is not from the outside, it's within the church. The church had gotten so large that in their visitation ministry of serving food to the shut-ins, there, were, there was one group of people, the uh, Greek-speaking Jewish people, who were being left out. They were being overlooked. And so some of their people came up to the apostles and they complained. Pastor, I have a complaint. I would like to issue a complaint. You've been visiting such and such, but we've got some people, a whole group of people over here that you're totally missing. You guys have totally missed them. It was a conflict of how do you do everything you need to do without the resources, both human and time and financial resources, to do all that they were expected to do. Peter and John said to them, they said, look, we've grown to the point where we can't do all this stuff, and so here's what we need to do. We need to choose out from among you seven guys that we can appoint over this. It's an interesting thing if you study Acts chapter 7. The seven guys they selected had Greek names. (laughs) In other words, they went to the complaining group to pick out the ones to solve the problem that the complaining group brought to the attention of the apostles. It was another conflict that was resolved. Uh, we could go all through this, all through the 28 chapters, and I could walk you through all the different conflicts. There's no point in me doing that. We don't have the time for it, and I'd wear you out. I simply want to suffice to say this, John, Randy, there are two things uh, that I want you to really cement in your mind that you are to be about as deacons of this church. One is you are to protect the community. You are to protect the community. I went through the book of Acts and I made a little pencil mark at every summary statement that Luke, this doctor, made. And there are about ten of them in there that I found, including the very last verses of uh, Luke's writing of Acts. And in each of those summary statements, Luke is obviously concerned with the health and welfare of the community. Protect the community. And by community, of course, I'm talking about the church. You do that by caring for your families, and you do that by, uh, by your leadership, your servant leadership in this church. Protect the community. Guard this community. Guard this church. I'm not saying guard every tradition that this church has. I'm saying guard the church. Uh, I... I as you do, you, you and I have a personal investment in this church. And so if I'm ever anywhere and I hear somebody speaking negatively of this church, which I very rarely do, but if I do, it gets my dander up. I almost lose my religion in the face of it. Protect the community. And then the second thing, put out the conflict. Throughout the book of Acts, you see these these fledgling, this fledgling Christian community and this group of saints struggling to grow, struggling to spread the word, suffering persecution, but not letting it stop them. They overcome conflict after conflict, struggle after struggle, obstacle after obstacle. 
In fact, the last Greek word in the book of Acts is not hindered. Paul was in his in a, a, a minimum security cell and people were coming in and out of his cell. It was almost like uh, a halfway house of sorts. And people were able to come to him and he could spread the word from his prison cell without hindrance. That's a very significant phrase in the book of Acts because it means that the gospel went on. The church thrived. What Jesus had told Simon Peter at Caesarea Philippi actually was coming true. When he said to Peter, Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say unto you that upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades itself will not prevail against it. Randy, protect this community and put out every conflict that you can. John, protect this community and put out every conflict that you can. Church, protect this community, this church, and put out every conflict that comes your way. Put it out. The last thing we need is a forest fire. What we need is a church on fire. Protect the community, and put out the conflict.